Welcome to Get Real and Get Free. This is Hillary Burns, and this is where we say what can't be said, and the AAA formula for freedom, which is awareness, acceptance, and action. And I am here with Josh Orlean, who I met back in probably 2015. We were doing a course together, and all of a sudden I found out that Josh had had a stroke and would not be participating. So years later, we reconnected with him and his lovely wife, Debbie. And unfortunately, Josh has had another stroke. Josh is a definitely a stroke survivor. He's going to tell you a little bit about his family history in heart attacks and strokes. He has a certificate in plant-based nutrition. He's led courses. He's helped, I guess, something with documentaries locally. And he'll tell you about that as well. And he has a passion for making a contribution to people's health. So welcome, Josh. You are an inspiration to me, and I can't wait for people to hear your story and be inspired as well. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Hillary. So you were telling me when we were talking before about your family history of heart disease and strokes and how your father and maybe his father as well had died at 52. And how... If you don't mind my asking, how old are you now, Josh? 67. 67. All right. So you have made it past the 52. Congratulations. They knew the exact day of the year that uh, where I was the same age as my father when he died. I'll spare you the mathematics of it, but it was a day that I was keenly aware that I was the age that he had succumbed to a heart attack. Yes. And you were fine, right? You fine at that point, health-wise? And do you think you took care of yourself knowing his history? It definitely, when we were in the Jewish faith, we sit shiva. We have family and neighborhoods, neighbors coming, bringing food. And so just to help us through the sad time. And our doctor came to our house and had a conversation with my mother where both my brother and I were present talking about uh, that it clearly is a genetic thing. By the way, so I'm not self-conscious about the way that I know my mouth does not work the way I like it to. And sometimes it sounds fine and sometimes not. So it's from the stroke that my mouth is funny. It doesn't make me laugh a lot, but it's funny. Okay. Um, So in order not to be self-conscious about how you're speaking, now the audience knows if it's a little funny, it's from the stroke, correct? And when you're talking about sitting Shiva, how old were you then? You were- I was 18. My brother was 15. Oh, so was he dying? Did he die suddenly? Boom. They kept it a secret that he had concerns. And I remember shortly before he died, visiting him in Manhattan and walking uh, through the streets and he was walking slowly. And I made some crack about my old man, you're moving a little slow. I regretted after he passed that I said something like that. Mm. So they didn't let us know what he was dealing with. And he was, one day he was popping nitroglycerin tablets like they were candy. I was upstate at Binghamton in school, and my brother got to be in on that whole experience. And they watched, he watched as the ambulance took him 
to the hospital. And, uh, and he was fine that night, but the, the next morning he died. And I, I then got a call from my parents' best friend who said, look, your father's not feeling well, and we've arranged for you to fly home from Binghamton. And my, his daughter was in Binghamton. She, she had a car, and she drove me to the airport. And when I arrived at home, I had just found out that he had passed away. And there was the whole family. I walked through the door. And, and Aunt says, he is now the man of the family at 18 years old. So that was shocking. You had yes. no idea. I, I found out at the airport when my brother and cousin picked me up to take me home. I had just gotten over crying in the back of the car and to find the whole family there. Wow. Yeah. So a little bit. So more what about, year was that? Obviously. Uh, that was 1973. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And on the other side of the family, my grandfather also had a heart attack on the maternal side. And my grandmother's brother had a stroke. And I remember sitting at, a, at the dining room table when he was alive. His fist was held tight, as what happens to people who have strokes sometimes. And when he spoke, he was barely legible. He sounded like a dog barking, but his wife, who I adored, understood him, which amazed me. And the image of him sitting in a chair, not at our table, but just silently sitting, stuck in my mind. And I thought that was too far removed. I knew about heart disease, but I didn't know that I also stood the chance of having a stroke. So he had had it and he survived it. That's why he was in the chair, not yes. speaking well. Okay. Yes. And that was your father's mother, father's my, father or my, my mother's mother's brother. Oh, okay. So you had it on both sides, your father yeah. and yep. your mother. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. In 2015, having a stroke was a shock to me. It would have been anyway, having that kind of experience. I woke up. Early in the morning, I had prepared for going with, to a picnic with friends. I had not, I woke up to go to the bathroom and I found that my right leg was not working the way it used to. And I walked into the living room just to test it out, came back, Debbie, my wife was sleeping, and I debated with myself, should I wake her up? And luckily I did wake her up. And 15 minutes later, I was in an ambulance coming to the, going to the hospital. And I ended up being in the hospital for six days. Right side of my body was affected. Speech was clearly affected. I also discovered a capacity to laugh in the face of what could be horrific circumstances. I, when I tried to say something, I couldn't. When I tried to type something on my phone, I couldn't. When I wrote the letters, I had to use my left. I had, the right hand was shaking. I, had to, I could only write four inch tall letters on the paper. And that struck me as funny. And so, what do you think the humor, what do you think gave you the capacity to laugh in such a, what could have been a, upsetting or not tragic, your obviously unexpected circumstance. What do you think gave you that? A combination of 
my family's ability to laugh, my own warped sense of humor. And, and also, I, I took some really wonderful courses as, as early as 23, when I was 23, called the EST training. Had no idea what I was walking into. And I just got so much wisdom and knowledge that I greatly desired that I didn't know even existed. And the capacity to laugh and be compassionate, not laugh in a bad way, but just there's things about life that are actually pretty funny when looked at from a certain lens, through a certain lens. Now, you were telling me earlier that when you took the S training, it had you see what, not past yourself, but but what, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, sure. So the course leader was talking about how having your life be about something much bigger than your own concerns could make a big difference in the quality of life. And uh, he talked about Martin Luther King, Gandhi, and Mother Teresa as being ordinary people up to very big, important games. And I thought at the age of 23, that, that really excited me. And I hadn't a clue what that would, how that would look in my life. Like Josh, what could Josh from Brooklyn contribute in you know, looking at people like Gandhi and Dr. King and Mother Teresa? And it took me, so that was 73, around 1990, I had been a graphic designer. And with, I, was, I was proud of the work I did, but financially rewarding, even spiritually inspired, it was not what an older mature or Josh who had a father that was alive that would guide me would have chosen. So... Wait, why do you say that, Josh? It's just because you didn't make enough money. Is that what you're thinking? Or didn't make enough money. I just there were limits to my perceived con- contribution. Uh, con- uh, yeah, uh, the, the ability to make a difference, to have the quality of life I thought I would get, because I was really a talented artist. And, and I, did you I, enjoy it? But you enjoyed it. There were aspects I loved. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, keep going. That's all right. So in 1990, I was in a course, and there was some very inspired guy who was sharing about helping people with their health. And I thought, oh, that would be great. But at that time, I was in my late 30s and thought, how can I do something like that? How can I make that kind of transition? And I wanted to. And what I say with what I was really good at, what I had a lot of experience with, it just seemed to be the right way to go. But that, that really, the, the thought of making the difference really made, it made a difference in my life. This is a concept. So that as I got to participate in NEST courses to experience making a contribution and being contributed to, really flourished. So is that when you went back in 2000? When did you say 2000? So you had done it originally in 
1978 was when I first did. So after, so your father had been dead five years. Okay, so you go in 1978, and then you went back in the 1990s or I, 2000. I, I forget what you said. You mean doing the courses? I've done courses. Oh, you continued. Okay, I continued. But you were still, yeah. but you weren't. But you were still a graphic designer. You hadn't. You had, even though, and then you saw the guy who was doing the nutrition, who was talking about the nutrition. And that Did really, that get you to make the change or was it well, only I mean, after? Uh, yeah, go ahead. There's also a book called What Color Is Your Parachute? Where you go, you do a lot of writing and analyze the things that you've written down about what you enjoy and what you've been accomplished and doing what you have accomplished and it really pointed in the direction of consulting in some way around health so that was just moved me further along in my journey when i years later when i moved i, I had moved to chicago and then i came back to new york to head up the advertising for a company that my brother had started and I discovered a series of plant-based monthly dinner lectures that I ended up loving and getting very involved with. So I had heard from some of the top doctors in the world about the difference that plant-based diet, it's called now whole food plant-based. So, and when was that? That seems early. I know now it's a big thing, but what years were that people that, were already talking about it? That those events were going on and I discovered them in 1999. Wow. Okay. And I started making changes, but I grew up in a household where I ate everything. One of my favorite things to have back in Binghamton was a toasted bagel with melted butter and cream cheese and a sliced hard boiled egg. That was heaven for me. We had matzah with Mazzola margarine, as if that was better than butter, which we now know it's not. But that was like every day of the year. It wasn't just for the holidays we eat matzah. And um, so I ate everything. And when I started learning, when I found out through the doctors that I was using back then, that I had indeed inherited that genetic tendency and my weight and my cholesterol were nearing as high as it had ever been, like around 2000. Like for instance, I, I now weigh 35 pounds less than I was back then. So with, I'm five foot three, I, I was five foot four, and my wife is de determined to make sure that I am not lying. So as much as I hated to say five foot three, what the hell? I'm short, I'm, you're short at it, five foot three, you're short at five foot four, what difference? So when you, when they said your, everything was high, how old were you at that point? Were you uh, approaching was, the 52 where your father died or were you much younger it, than it that? It was very close to 50. 50, whoa, okay. Yeah. And so what, uh, what did you do? Did you change? I started making changes having found this community, except okay. there, when you love certain, when you love a lot of different foods, sushi 
steaks, not a lot of steaks, but dairy. What's wrong with sushi? Well, it's not plant-based, but it's yeah. not plant. So scientific global studies of disease patterns shows that animal all animal protein is not great for the body, as well as processed food. And for a guy that's been eating everything, but being motivated by my family history, I really had to pay attention because I just was starting to find out what was going on with my body. So I, at that time, my to total cholesterol was 286 and my uh, bad cholesterol, the LDL was 186. My total cholesterol now is 130 and my bad cholesterol is 70. Whoa. And so I always me, thought fish was okay. That's why when you said sushi, yeah, I'm like, what? Yeah, me too, me too. All I, right. I, so I, any all right, any animal. Okay, so keep going. I keep interrupting, but yeah, it's all right. Okay. Uh, yeah. So go ahead. So so as I started changing the, my eating habits, the weight fell from my body. I'm now at my lightest ever. I had a heart attack too two months after the stroke back in 2015 that was quite a year wow okay yeah. but obviously so, you survived because you're here yes and what I, do you and, yeah uh, what do you think had you survived a combination of so what let me just get the timing i don't know why so, I, i'm i like things in order so you were around right. 50 when you started learning about plant-based and then 2015, obviously I could do the math if I was, if you're 67 now, that was seven years ago. So you were 60 when all this happened. No, no, it was, so if, when the stroke happened in 2015, so I, I was born in 54, so. But that's seven years ago, right? So seven years ago. If you're 67, you should have been 60. So my math is wrong. Yeah. So yeah. So you're born in 54. All right, let's figure this out now. Yeah. 54. I'm born in so, 59. I'm 63. You're five years uh, older. So you're 68. <laughs> so maybe you were 50. We're obviously not. Math is yeah. not All right. always So anyway, story. it was, you were around six, late 50s yeah. well, so you had made it past the 52 right yeah. yeah okay yeah so what contributed to me living i'm still now 15 years older than my father and his father yes. lived and so changing my diet because it really made a huge difference in my blood chemistry like even now when I go for a blood test, there are like 84 different factors that are measured. And almost all of them are exactly in the sweet spot, like where the range should wow. be. Wow. Now, had you, Josh, had you changed it before you had the stroke? Like, very or, Okay. Oh, all right. oh, oh, so oh, you really, so this no. is all post stroke that you right. got started yeah. doing this. Okay. I was just wondering. Okay. I, um, there are certain foods that I just love. I mean, even I just recently, because of the weekend course that we were in this past weekend, I declared that I was going to cut out things that I, like I, I what? figured 
Like green what? Tea, Starbucks green tea frappuccino. But What's it's wrong vegan. with that? It's, uh, with soy milk. But yeah, the thing is that what my body is, no, soy is not bad. But what my body is sensitive to, it's different for all of us. Yeah. There are certain things scientifically and globally. They know civilizations and the track records of the incidence of different diseases and the, the societies that are more agrarian, plant-based, less far less processed foods, their rate of disease, of occurrence of disease is far less than what it is in all the, the societies are, that are, what's the word? Well, Unhealthy. <laughs> but the thing, yeah, the, 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 we know from growing up, this family has cancer, this family has heart disease. There seems to be something that actually is linked to the way people live. And right. one of the things is what they put in their mouth. So Josh, let's just, so I'm just going to rise because I want to actually get to what you are eating now. But so you went from stroke and heart attack, you got serious, learned and you could tell me if I'm summarizing this wrong, got serious about the plant-based. Now your numbers are good, but last year you had another stroke, right? Yes, yes. So oh. I, I, I was, even though I know I shouldn't be eating with added salt and sugar. Okay. And I would give myself permission because my taste buds love that stuff. I figured I'm feeling fine. I'm still going hiking, still doing yoga and things that I enjoy doing. And I thought I was safe. And even though the doctors were warning me, and they all, even though the numbers were great, the pandemic did not have doctors be as available. And they were dealing with much, you know, I would meet with them via the internet. One of my cardiologists said when we found out that our blood pressure monitor was off, he said, don't worry, you'll be able to use ours. But use ours? It's crazy. We see him once every six months or three months. There were ways, and I think I'm pretty sure that I'm not alone in this, that I fell through the cracks that were created by the COVID pandemic and the fact that corporations we're taking over these independent practitioners. So they now had a whole set of schedules and how much time you should be with your patient. So how did you know you were having the second one? Same thing? Uh, yeah, the second one, we had gone into the hospital the night before because I had bleeding gums. So I went there for that. But my gait, the way I was walking, was off. And no one even looked at that. No one even commented on that. The next morning, I turned to Debbie. We were supposed to spend a weekend in Montauk with my children. And we had to cancel. And because that morning I said to Debbie, I'm not feeling well. Let's go to the, the hospital. And I was at the hospital. I was in the middle of it. My wow. left side was affected. My left hand was completely numb and uh, immovable. 
Wow. So do you think that's what saved you was that you were already at the hospital? Certainly helped. If you have to have a stroke, might as well have it in the hospital. So this was now your good side is now numb. Right. Wow. The the right hand, I have full capabilities. The left hand, it's stiff. I I can do a lot now, but that's through through months of physical therapy. Wow. Um, I'm just thinking. Yeah. So it was when I was at the hospital at one point, my hand went numb. I couldn't move it. And I called, I got the nurse to come in and she was just too busy. She said, look, I, this is late at night. I have other things. You just have to wait for what? Luckily that night on TV, they had, I could watch Avatar, a three hour movie. So it helped me pass through the hours of the night, but I was scared. And they did a whole series of diagnostic tests. And we now know what it was a bleeding. It was a hemorrhagic stroke. So that's why your mouth was bleeding? No. No. Debbie had a a device to clean out the spaces between the teeth that were just too strong. And they were like pieces that had damaged the the gums in my mouth. Well, let me ask you, did it matter? If you had had the stroke at home or in the hospital, given that they ignored you, would it have mattered? Can they do anything when someone's having a stroke to help you? Because I don't know about this. Yeah. During the first stroke, when when we arrived, I'm giving you a lot of information. So during the first stroke, we arrived within minutes because we lived very close to a hospital. And and by the time we were, I was in a bed in, in the emergency room, all my abilities came back. And I walked down the hall to use the restroom. And wow. as I stepped out, out of the bathroom, I noticed that there was starting to be a decline. By the time I got in the bed, I didn't want to talk because I didn't want to give in. I let people know that I was mm-hmm. experiencing now a, a stroke. And I, it was this three hour or four hour window where they could give a certain t- type of medicine that could, this was what I had was called, caused by atrial fibrillation, oh. clot, which is a different source of having a stroke. The second stroke was a hemorrhagic stroke from high blood pressure. Oh. So I actually had an appointment days before. I know this is confusing. But back, about, back to the, the recent stroke, I accidentally missed my doctor, my cardiologist appointment, and even saw him that day. But I thought I was safe. And so I wasn't rushing to make another appointment. And I had this stroke that my blood pressure was, I think, at about 190 over 100. And that caused blood vessel to burst. And it was a very small size. But it packed a wallet that totally eliminated the capacity to walk. And I had heard that the person who founded S in the forum had also had to learn to walk. The first day that a physical therapist 
took me walking. She had a harness around my waist and she was holding, I was holding on to her, to her and she was holding on to me as I tried to walk. And when I heard that the leader, the founder of the educational corporation had lost his ability to walk, I imagined the kind of intensity that he would have in trying to figure out how to walk. And I- what? Yeah, when did he, like early on or recently? Not long ago. Not long ago, okay. So that and, inspired you to yeah. fight. And can so you I, walk now? Are you do, How are you doing walk, now? I can walk slowly okay. with or without a, walk, a walker. There's a certain thing called hypertonicity, which means the muscles, you see the nerves from the stroke are damaged. So the, the signal that they send to the muscles that have been effect, affected are wonky. They're off. Right. And the, the muscles in the, the, the thighs of my leg, they just almost always tight. So it makes it hard. It's also kind of hard to understand. And standard physical therapy gets at the certain structural things and muscular and joint things. But there's a neuromuscular component that right. they, they barely address. So I had to go look for after we plateaued at what they could do for me, they let me go. And I had to make do without physical therapy. But I already knew they were not getting a job done anymore. And mm. I found some ways of, of doing the things I'm doing now to address the hypertonicity. But it's just, it's a slow process. So I, yeah. I can't walk the way I'd like to. I would love to return to the hills that are in the north of Long Island. I can't ride a bicycle. There's a lot that I can't do. Okay. Yeah. That's Last summer, I did something to my back and it affected the nerves. So I understand my right leg wasn't working. My foot wasn't working. And they said for every inch, I don't know, it was something like a month or a week. I don't know, but it took a long time to get it back. So I understand it's hard. You think, oh, just work. No, it just doesn't work. It's hard. So anyway, you know what, Josh, we've been going on a while. I do want to hear more about the plant-based, but I'm thinking we can do that next time because, but I just want to leave people with what, you know, you could have given up could have given yeah. up after the first one, yeah, yeah. but you didn't, you're still vibrant. You still are with your wife. You're still here. You're still teaching. You're, you're leading courses and doing all this stuff to make a contribution. What do you attribute your vitality and commitment to? You hear a lot in these courses about keeping your, it's not just these courses, but in other modalities, they talk about keeping your focus on what lights you up, what you love about life. And I used to think of myself as very shy. And from the very first time I led a reading and discussion group, that shyness was not there. And I just, and I'm currently leading a reading and discussion group, a weekly one that except for the stroke has been going on for almost two years or beginning of August will be two years. And I've got 
the thing I thought about was instead of reading by myself, which I'm pretty good at doing, but to have a dialogue and have a, a community, to have a dialogue, yeah, as I said, dialogue, would make it much more fun. And very quickly, we had about 18 people who had expressed interest for some that didn't work. And I, what we would do is we would, one or two people would read aloud during a two hour session, which is now shortened to an hour and a half, read from the book aloud. And this is all via Zoom. And we'd have our own copies of the book and we would listen. So about half the time was the reading and the half, the other half was about sharing, about discussing anything that they didn't understand or agreed or disagreed with, sharing recipes, sharing resources. And it was so gratifying. I was so lit up. And every week for a long time, I was always nervous that I would be alone. Because that has happened to me, um, like preparing a room for an event. It was, I, I was the same guy that had to quickly take down all the chairs. And so I've consistently had about eight to 10, sometimes 12. And this is without even promoting. It's just people hearing about this. And I was wow. so that's amazing. That's amazing, Josh. How can people and we can continue another time because I think this is very interesting. And I know there are other people who would be interested in finding out about what you're doing. How can they find these sessions? How can they find you? How can they reach out? Uh, I'm going to give you my email address. Okay, good. So J S as in Sam, yeah. O R L E A N Gmail. Dot com. All right. Awesome. They should reference this through you. Okay. And they should give me their phone number. Okay. Awesome. All right. So thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yes, you are an inspiration and I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing with the plant-based. Yeah. And again, Josh Orlean, an inspirational stroke survivor, former graphic designer (laughs) and now leader in educating people about plant-based nutrition so thank you so much josh thank you for pleasure